A trill of laughter rang around the room. He stood up with a wry smile. Maggie always maintained such good spirits. She never indulged in tantrums or fits of jealousy about his other women. She'd been the perfect liaison. Until now. He'd send a token tomorrow, a discreet little diamond pin with a carefully worded message. No fool, Maggie. She'd understand. She reached up and cupped his cheek with her palm. One of these days, some beautiful young thing is going to capture that wicked heart of yours, and you'll be lost to me and all the other naughty ladies of the town. Mark my words. Too bad she couldn't leave well enough alone. He caught her fingers and pressed them to his lips. What? Be tied to just one woman when there are so many to enjoy? You are a bad man, she said, and I adore you. She whirled around in a rustle of skirts, a cloud of rose perfume and sex. She opened the door and dashed down the stairs to her waiting carriage. Yes, Robert thought, he would miss her a great deal. Now whom did he have waiting in the wings to fill his Tuesday afternoons? A naughty but interesting problem. The new opera dancer at Covent Garden had thrown him a lure last week. A curvy little armful with come-hither eyes. And yet, somehow, the thought of the chase didn't stir his blood. It wouldn't be much of a chase. Perhaps he should look around a little more. Looking was half the fun. He whistled under his breath as he readied himself for an evening at White's. Kent, 1816. It was almost perfect, wasn't it? She just wished she could be sure. In the library's rapidly fading daylight, Frederica Bracewell narrowed her eyes and compared her second drawing of a sparrow to the one in the book. The first one she'd attempted was awful. A five-year-old would have done better. Drawn with her right hand, She sighed. It didn't matter how hard she tried. Right-handed, she was hopeless. Devil's spawn. An echo of Cook's harsh voice hissed in her ear. Good for naught, bastard. She rubbed her chilled hands together and held the second drawing up to the light. It was the best thing she'd done. But was it good enough? The door opened behind her. She jumped to her feet. Heat rushed to her hairline. Heart beating hard, she turned, hiding the drawings with her body. Only me, miss. Snively, the Winchwood butler said. A big man with a shock of white hair and a fierce bulldog face, but his brown eyes twinkled as he carried a taper carefully across the room and lit the wall sconces. Her heart settled back into a comfortable rhythm. I didn't realise you were working in here this afternoon, or I would have had William light the fire, the butler said. I'm not cold, she said, smiling at one of her few allies at Winchwood. She didn't want him losing his position by lighting unnecessary fires. She picked up her rag with a wince. She'd completed very little of her assigned task, dusting the books. Uncle Mortimer would not be pleased. In passing, Snively glanced at the pictures on the table.
This one is good, he said, pointing at the second one. It looks ready to fly away. People pay for pictures like that. Do you think so? I do. Snively's face hardened. You ought to have proper lessons instead of copying from books. You've a talent. Always so supportive. Sometimes she imagined the starchy butler was her father. It might have been better if he was. Who knew what kind of low man the Winchwood whore had bedded? It is not seemly for a woman to draw for money, she said quietly. But I would love to go to Italy and see the great art of Europe, perhaps even study with a drawing teacher. His mouth became a thin, straight line. So you should. Lord Winchwood would never hear of it.